This is a Forwardly podcast. Dateline, Hollywood, California. There are eight million stories in the naked city. Why is it that Tinseltown can seem to tell those stories worth a damn? Never fear, dear listeners. There is a cure for this condition. Is there a doctor in the house? In fact, there's two. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are ineffable. Which is not to say that we can't be effed. Make no mistake there. Uh, We've been effed many times. And by we, of course, I refer mainly to my esteemed colleague, Dr. D. How are you, Dr. D? I am... <laughs> I can't think of a D word. Dune-filled. I had it in my head, and then it flew out. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, how are you tonight, Dr. G? Ah. I am uh, ineffable. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Uh, you want to start us off with a quick take? I sure do. Hey, I am so interested. I have to stop. I have to stop everybody right now and say that there's been a lot of lead up to this between the two of us. Some of it's been on air. Some of it's been off air. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we were trying to decide what film to discuss up next... Could not resist what uh, might be a volcanic uh, response. Uh, either way it goes with Dr. G, it's going to be the aforementioned delicious. So I turn it back over to you. What's your quick take? My quick take is this. Yes. Hey, Dr. D. Yeah? I just got back from Dune, and boy, am my eyes tired. Ah, <laughs> okay. Um, I basically thought it was uh, visually exquisite mm-hmm. and almost insufferably boring. That's a great quick take. Let's leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it. Without putting that- too fine a point on it. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I, I, I forever do not understand what everyone's connection is with this story and the I prospect understand. of turning it into a film. Go. Um, and my quick take is not not dissimilar from 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 yours in that I think that it is it is visually stunning and we can get into some more of why we think that is as we go forward. And we um yeah, just a, a feast for the eyes and a famine for the soul. For the soul. Well done. Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I just thought famine of that. for the soul. <laughs> um, I, uh, so yeah. let's dispense with the firsts and just dive right in with our, uh, our special knives out. Well, first of all, I'm going to say that, you know, I want to pr- qualify all of the upcoming vitriol with the fact oh. <laughs> with yes. the fact that uh, clearly I'm in the wrong since right. it's the runaway hit of f- simultaneous right. theatrical and streaming 
release. It's the feel-nothing hit of the season. It is the feel-nothing hit of the season. Um, you know, uh, well, I think it's pretty much impossible to, to at some point bring up the previous incarnations of Dune and, uh-huh. uh, you know, the, the, the cloud that has been hanging over this story's head since right. someone first thought to put it into a movie. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I'm reminded of something that you once told me. Oh, I love this kind of thing. Right, because usually you've completely forgotten what it is I'm going to remind oh, you absolutely. of. absolutely. Um, you once told me that you don't care for stories, or you don't care for stories that take place over a long period of time because... Uh-huh. It's it, it, it sort of lacks the emotional immediacy. Right. That, um, I, that a short time framed story can deliver. I I do um I do appreciate I do recall saying a version of that and just basically to, to elaborate on the idea is that um it's like when you have a, a time bomb and the clock is ticking, the excitement is higher because you know that at a certain point it's going to you're going to run out of time. And if you said yes, there's a time bomb, but it's going to it's going to blow up in ten years, you lose all your dramatic tension because of the length of time that has to pass in order for that story to be told. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, I feel similarly about stories that sort of involve these this interspecial galactic travel not no not even so much galactic travel but more just like when there's there the the these epic forces these these big tribes that you know are warring uh-huh. with each other and you know and the epic planet I guess, I guess you planet. would say like no it doesn't even have to necessarily be science fiction oh, okay. but just the epic that involves like whole races of people uh-huh. rising up against other races of people. And there's something a little too like right. Alexander the Great ish about it to me. It's like I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a battle, here's a battle, here's a battle, here's a battle. I don't care about anybody. And that's exactly right. what was going on here. Timothy uh-huh. Timothy Chalamet was fine. He was definitely appealing enough, except that there was nowhere for his character to go there was zero arc right right right. agreed um i thought that the the writing uh you know listen i'm at a bit of a loss because i haven't read the source material neither have i i do think that we shouldn't be required to have read the source material to enjoy the story you're telling based on the source material in a different medium. I'm going to be so bold as to say readers of the original material did not make a $40 million weekend. Mm. I'll, I'll put some money on that. Uh, can you, can you break that down for me? I'm saying that it didn't, it didn't do the box office that it did because the, the box office that it because did fans of Doom. was not yeah comprised solely like this wasn't made for people who read the source material right presumably right. 
And I'm guessing that there aren't enough of those people to account for the success that it had on the opening weekend. So listen, we're going to jump all over the place a little bit here, but we'll settle down and get, we'll get into the carving of this uh, turkey. But, um, you know, how how often on this show in the last, I don't know, six episodes, maybe six out of six, I've said, you know, while I was watching this thing, I had the thought this would make a good book or I wonder if this is from a book of some kind. And then it would turn out that I was right. It was a graphic novel or it was this or it was that. Never once while I was watching Dune did I ever think, hey, this would make a great book. Or a great three books. It's It's a trilogy, isn't it? I don't know how many of the books this film is supposed to be based on. I think it is half of the first. I don't know. It is only half of the first. Wow. Or something. Or it's a portion of the first. See, I was never a Lord of the Rings fan. Peter Mm -hmm. Jackson managed to to build emotion and character into it so that I was not stymied by my epic aphobia right and in fact he has built baked into the lord of the rings and i knew that that movie was going to come up in the discussion of this one as well as a couple of others um it has baked into it races of people battling other races of people, right exactly or, you know yeah people is even the wrong word but um warring clans on a grand scale warring clans but even so when you get to that Return of the King, I think it is, the third and final installment. Yes. Um, you have so many, not only like this group of people I don't know fighting that group of people I don't know, they're all CGI. And who cares? Exactly. You, I kind of get, get the who cares when, when that goes on there. Well, uh, similar in a way to the, the end of the m- more recent incarnation of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Where you have the witch and her, you know, villainous, monstrous creatures fighting people and animals. It's still just a big clash of who cares. Yeah, you know, with Lord of the Rings, I felt like uh, the, the, the first epic battle scene in, you know, early on in the first movie was definitely stunning to watch. It was, it was a work of art. There was camera work involved right. in there just the way it was the the scale at which it was laid out it looked like uh if you're familiar with Hieronymus Bosch it looked like a Bosch painting come to life yes, yes. um but yes after a while it just becomes first just Lord of the Ring movie dots. and I'm not I don't remember an epic battle in the first Lord of the Ring movie specifically doesn't matter I'm sure there was uh, I can't tell you because, you know, okay. that's another thing, too, is I also have trouble when there are it kind of uh, blurs. Well, no, when there are, uh, you know, these 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 crazy names you're supposed to keep track of. And right. this, I think, is is, right. is key for Dune. At least I would have said this is, would have been one thing I would have said before it came out that was going to probably be a stumbling block for it. And that is that. You can you can you 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 can you can talk about it with people. You can, you can discuss the story and use the the proper names of characters and places, and no one uh-huh. will know who the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Rizas Al Salub and the right the, right. It's like 
Yeah. I mean, more so than any other movie we have critiqued. Mm-hmm. It almost doesn't matter I, what any I, of the characters I, I are defy called. us to to be able to refer to characters by name. I was definitely worried about that coming into this um, this session because I thought... Or at least the, the names of the tribes warring each other. Right, am I going to call everybody by their character name? And I, I was already worried that I was not going to be able to uh, to keep up. And don't forget the mystic order of whatever, of whoever, that crazy right. name. Yeah, it just it right. just becomes right. after a while like how I mean, I confess I saw this at home, not in mm-hmm. a theater. I, I uh, saw it in a theater. We can get to that. And um, uh, unfortunately, because my wife is uh, recovering from a cold, I could not play it at full volume, and thus. <laughs> <laughs> had to use subtitles. No, that's not true. I'm just oh. my hearing's going, and I use subtitles no, no. anyway. I'm just in denial. But here's the thing: I was in the theater, and I wish I had subtitles. That's my point. There were points at which there were people, characters were muttering and praying and saying yep. things. I'm like, I'm sure this is supposed to matter, but yep. I can't make it out. Yep. And okay, so let's stop for one second. Let's stop talking about Peter Jackson and all these other <sighs> things, and just focus in on on this. On this particular, on this particular one. Now, I have to admit to everyone, I feel a certain amount of shame as I say this. But in order to catch this movie at the time that I needed to catch it, I had to see it in IMAX. After last time's bitching about that theater and their IMAX, so I saw it in IMAX, um, and. <laughs> And I was like in the third or fourth row. So I was Ooh. pretty close. It was a little overwhelming and you a little disorienting. It. I was in it. <laughs> yes, if you saw a guy wandering around with uh, popcorn on his shirt, that was me. Or sand. Um, was it dark? Oh, yeah. Well, everybody had sand on their shirt. It oh, was, yeah. It, it was dim, right? There were scenes that like were dim hard, and like crucial to moments, too. Yeah. Okay. You know, I felt. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was the angle I was at in the theater, or you know, like I thought I had just done something stupid. No, I was on the verge of of uh, playing with Adjusting my TV settings. Your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no such option at the theater itself. It was fairly full. It was the most full theater I've been in since I've been back to movie theaters. Wow. I was not super excited about that part of it. Did they look um, like they had read the book? <laughs> they were most of them sitting behind me. I didn't get a good look at everyone. Okay. Um, but that's a very good question. Um, the people I saw coming in did seem like they probably had read the book. Hmm. As I was entering and the people in front of me and the guy was tearing the tickets and going, you go here and you go here. Everyone he said to go to theater one had read the book. Looked, They looked pretty nerdy. Uh, if I can uh, profile for a moment. Um, so this has this has an outstanding cast, I think. Yeah, uh, I I I must admit I'm not familiar. Now we've got Timothy and Timothy, and I'm confused. So that I'll have to look up later. But uh, Messer Chalamet. Yes. Uh, I I must admit I am not familiar with his touchstone work, like the stuff that everyone knows him for. Same here. Um, Same here. Unfortunately. So I saw him in Lady Bird, you know, and he was fine. Um, I didn't see him in Call Me By Your Name. 
I didn't either. Which is the big one. And he was in Interstellar, which I saw, but it doesn't hardly count. He would have been too young and, you know, just passing. Uh, his, his, his role is small. So, yeah. Is so, he? Um, and he leaves me, he leaves me a little bit cold. Yes, he does. There are some actors that um, I am reminded of when I see him. One would be like um, Ryan Felipe. Again, pronunciation. Philippi. Um, Philippi. Yeah, sorry. Philippi. I think, I think I it's knew Philippi. It, You know what? It's so funny. I say Philippi all the time, and just now I said Philippi. You can ask my wife. I usually get it right. Anyway, uh, he's an example of one of them, and I'm trying to think of, of a few others that just, I just don't, I look at him and I go, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, but certainly when we very early on see him shirtless in bed and he sits up, he had a nightmare. He had a bad dream. Oh, and he gets up and he's very disturbed by his bad dream and he's not wearing a shirt. And I went, oh, now I understand why he's like, he's this, he's a boy. He's just like a, he, I'm sure he's 22 or 23 or whatever it is, but he has that sort of virtually, his features are almost androgynous and he's got this this childlike body and so he's super non-threatening but cute and so he can be attractive to you know the teeny boppers mm. is that who likes him i don't know i guess we'll find out but um so he's the one i was least familiar with but i know rebecca ferguson i know oscar isaac you know on and on this, mm -hmm. this is incredibly uh deep uh cast of um cast of people who I've enjoyed in lots of different places. This is part of what got me here. Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, you know, on and on. I was certainly um, drawn by that. And like I say, I'd seen bits and pieces. That's what sucked me in was the visuals had, had sort of drawn me into it. But sort of from the very beginning, my, I'm just, I, I don't know. Is it just because we're old men? It could be. I kept thinking while I was watching it about Star Wars. Oh, really? Um, if only because I feel like the Chalamet part is a little bit like a Luke Skywalker part, the a reluctant hero who has hidden, who has powers within him that he is not, that are not fully developed. Yes. Um, I, I, I think, well, two things. One, yeah. uh, apparently George Lucas claims to have not read the book when he made Star Wars. Oh, okay. But... I didn't know that until today, and I always thought that, and I still feel that way about some things in this film, that um, we have be we we've grown up with everything that took inspiration from the original book, uh -huh. and it has become commonplace now, and so right. now someone's faithfully adapting the original book, perhaps, but uh, it's. It, it doesn't resonate the same way. These the, 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 those unique things no right. longer have the uh, feel pardon the pun gravity mm -hmm. that uh, yeah they did um, and, forty you know, fifty years ago. Bands of rebels and sort of the politics of it involved reminded me a little bit of all the politics that came in episodes one, two, and three of Star Wars, where it got so yeah, much but it wasn't that about... complicated. There wasn't. It was like no. the the four, you know, like 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 the, the there was the good guys and bad guys. It was very. Yeah. It was two sides. It was very simple. But more importantly, the other thing about Star Wars is that Star Wars had a very importantly a sense of humor. 
it didn't take itself too seriously, at least in 1977 it didn't. No, it didn't. Um, that it there didn't. was a sense of fun in it. Yes. And there is no fun here. This is just a very dry thing. And so I'm supposed to care about, you know, Paul, the character, you know, Chalamet plays. I don't, but why am I supposed to care about him? What is, what do they demonstrate? What does he demonstrate that makes me go, oh, he's somebody I want to root for? Nothing. I just didn't care. Absolutely it was just, nothing. I'm supposed to root for him. So that's, you know. I was rooting though. for the worm. <laughs> and I felt yes. gypped. I felt gypped in that nighttime shot because I don't know about you in the theater. I couldn't see a fucking thing on my screen. Oh, no. Couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. Um, I thought about the worm. I thought about Jaws a little bit. How, you know, famously they didn't show it. And so that that made it. Hmm. you know or like alien where they reveal it yeah sort of in pieces before you yes. get a full yes. frontal yeah yes. well you know but it, that it, shot kind of was a bad shot even in the theater so i'm glad you uh oh no i'm really glad you said that i'm really glad you said that because mm-hmm. uh the adapter director uh denny's villeneuve um <laughs> yes uh, apparently was very incensed by the fact that it is streaming at the same time because he spent a year or two or three of his life crafting something that was going to look and sound really special in a theater. Uh-huh. So to hear you come back with all this, just sort of... Right. I, it sounded special in that I couldn't hear it. <laughs> it sounded, it looked special in that I couldn't always see it. Yeah. And I thought, you know, you know, when you, when you're like in a, in a 3D theater mm-hmm. and the whole thing just seems dim. Yeah. That's what the whole, that's what the whole thing felt like. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the shields, speaking of 3D, that 3D effect, remember oh, when I you used it, when they had to print things in like little blue, green and red <laughs> and you put on the yes. crinkly glasses. Yes. Yeah, and you would look at the thing without it, and it would be like you have those colored ghost yes. images. Yeah, uh-huh. That's what it looks like. That's what it looked like. Yes, you're right. I hated that from the first time we saw it. I hated it. Yeah. I assumed it's a training sequence. We're seeing him fight with Josh Brolin, I believe. Mm-hmm. His normal fight trainer isn't available or something, and they, and they, they turn that on, and I'm assuming that what that is is some sort of armor. Yeah. It's not even really clear what it is, but it's it's some sort of armor. And I thought, oh, they're putting it on now because they don't want to hurt each other because right. it's just a training session. Right. But then it came up, you know. Well, it's apparently a technology because I believe it was also applied to structures. Mm, right. But I wasn't impressed by his fighting skills necessarily in the course of that. So I, I felt like there were some like little bits of it that were really kind of interesting. Like I thought the... I thought the actual art design for those, I'm going to call them helicopters, but I don't, they're basically dragonflies. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool kind of look. It was a cool look. I don't know if it made a lot of sense, but. I, I, I was questioning the aerodynamics. Mm. Yeah. On a few occasions, but. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, but just, it just feels like it takes forever to get started. 
Yeah. We have to meet them on one planet. Then they have to go to another planet. Then they're getting a tour of that planet and something goes wrong. And um, I just sort of felt like it all just sort of felt sort of forced a little like, oh, we're going to have to save the people in that spice, you know, the spice collecting thing. And they, they drop down and everyone's got to be, you know, they have to pull stuff off. They have to get rid of things to lessen the weight so they can add more people. Meanwhile, I never saw anywhere near the number of people. I thought that sequence was actually incredibly poorly done. I felt like visually the coverage did not establish (laughs) the, 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 the spatial relationships. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was terrible. That was really terrible. Well, you know, it's, I'm sure that. Can you imagine how bad it would be if you hadn't spent a year making it right? I'm sure that, you know, in, in, in his perfect world, no one would review this movie without bringing up the previous incarnations. But right. I couldn't help but think about it because, as I believe I even said here on the show, mm-hmm. when the 1984 version came out yeah. that David Lynch directed, quotes, um, <laughs> That uh, theater goers were handed and uh, a cheat sheet, this this a full page of text yes. to give you the background to, to basically give you the setup that the movie isn't giving, and from that day forward, I said nothing could spell out trouble for a movie more <laughs> than having to give your audience a cheat sheet in the beginning. Well, you know what. This version shows why they did that. And it should have been an indicator to everybody involved that that is a sign this story probably can't come to the screen. Uh, not in this way. I mean, honestly, if we're going to if we're going to give it the the HRX treatment, here's here's what I would like to see is I'd like to see them do like the Harry Potter treatment to it in the following way I think that they need to uh, I don't know how many books this represents you say it might just represent one and and shame on me for not looking that up and knowing during this conversation but um, I think it needs to be broken down and made much more human and so I was wishing that maybe this was somehow only two was, was in and of itself two different films hmm. not that i understand the where would you break act it up? structures or where the I, I have no idea um i i don't really know but what they needed to do was have time to make those characters relatable and i feel like they only ever played as archetypes at the you know towards the end of the movie yeah you know by the time he's there he has that duel with the um, with the, 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 the Fremen guy, whatever, <laughs> whatever they were was. called. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. At the end, near, near I, the end. I don't know about you. I didn't care anymore at that point. I know that, I mean, to think, to look back on it now and think that that is essentially the climax of the movie. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I'm really right. angry because there was nothing climactic about that fight visually right viscerally right. emotionally no 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 the way that would have to work is 
you would have to build into your um, your arc. You'd have to have an arc for the character that that fight addressed in some way. So you would have to have a thing where he secretly fears he's not capable of killing someone. And that ultimately he'll let everyone down because he, he can't yeah. do that sort of thing. Or whatever whatever that fight is going to be the resolution for, you have to establish that as an issue. Yeah. And then that fight becomes satisfying on some kind of a level. Or build some other story structure that we understand beyond just, oh, we don't want our hero to die. Right. You know, and I always found, I know I said, let's move off of this, but I always found that the, the end of the, the Fellowship of the Rings, both the book and the movie, but especially the movie, is very unsatisfying because it's like the movie comes to a conclusion, the Fellowship has splintered and everyone has gone off in different directions. And, you know, you're left with this like, oh, it's all, it's all been a failure. Now go on and read book two. The reason it was like that is because when he originally wrote them, he wrote it as one huge book. It was an editor that broke The Lord of the Rings into three separate pieces. Um, and so I had a similar feeling here, which was like, you know, it says part one when it begins. And it says this is just the beginning is the last audible line, I believe, spoken yes. by a character anyway on screen. This is just the beginning. Um which is, I think, a, it's an okay way to end it. I don't have a problem with that as, as the last line of a thing. But I have to feel like I've seen something that has is complete in some way, but leaves me wanting more. Not is incomplete, and so I have to get more to understand what I've got. I mean, between the trailers and the number of times he dreams about Zendaya, mm -hmm. we never really see her. I mean, she's not part of this movie. She's not an active part of this movie where, you know, she's interacting with him or whatever. And and I then when she finally to... did, I felt like it mm -hmm. was anticlimactic. In a way, it was, yes. And, and, and very not special. And I know that, you know, okay, you know, sometimes characters meet and it's not special, but it, it wasn't even <laughs> not special in a way that suggested it's going to become special, if that makes sense. Right. It does. It does. Um, I mean, oh, it's kind of interesting. There is an interesting problem there in that. Look, there's a way to do that. I, I don't know exactly how to do it, but you have him have these dreams, which are partly dreams, but partly he's seeing the future. And you, you see that he has this incredibly complex and electric and, you know, passionate relationship with a woman in this in these visions that he has. Let's not even call them dreams. Let's call them visions. And then you meet her and they don't care for each other. Or it's the, it's the exact opposite of what you thought it was going to be. That's something. Because then you go, oh shit, how are we going to get from where we are now to when they're completely like in, entangled with one another? Yeah. But we, he met her and it was just a flat line. And, and I think part of that is that it was structured in this weird unsatisfying way but i also think part of it is timothy fucking chalamet mm. because he has he's just a void i don't i don't get any electricity off of him at all i'm sorry i'm sure he's a lovely person no i think you're absolutely right uh yeah um oddly enough on uh the on the wikipedia page uh 
They mm-hmm. quote Variety's review of the 1984 version. Yeah. And I feel like this line actually sums up perfectly how I feel about this movie. Huge, hollow, imaginative, and cold sci-fi epic. Yes. Yes. Visually unique and teeming with incident, David Lynch's film holds the interest due to its abundant surface attractions, but won't, of its own accord, create the sort of fanaticism which has made Frank Herbert's 1965 novel one of the all-time favorites in the genre. Yeah. Mm. Um, here's the thing I wanted to tell you. Tell away. I will tell away. Um, when you go to IMDb, my favorite website of all time. One of mine, too. Um, there's, for Dune, there are uh, little drop-downs at the top that says start streaming. Oh, I'm sure, by the way, Villeneuve was, um, was absolutely livid that they were going to stream it at the same time. Although he does need to allow for the fact that the, there was a worldwide pandemic at one point. Yes. You know, um, so too bad for you. But in any case, um, start streaming videos, uh, characters, and synopsis. And I thought, oh, I'm going to click on synopsis, and maybe this is like going to help me understand. And the paragraph they have there is not a synopsis. It's a teaser. It's like an elevator pitch description of the thing. Um, so shame on them for that. But then the, the tab before it where it says characters... And it goes through, and you can look at Paul, or you can look at, uh, you know, who's the next one? Uh, uh, Chani, which doesn't, she shouldn't even be a character. Duncan, Idaho. What a name, Duncan, Idaho. Anyway, Lady Jessica, so on and so forth. You can read who each of them are. And that actually reminded me, in a way, of another very complicated book that made its way to our screens in... Game of Thrones. Yeah. When Game of Thrones first started, that first season, my kids had read the books or some of the books, and and I think my wife had read the first book. I can't remember. No, she hadn't. But in any case, I I didn't read any of it. Not that I'm not a reader. I just hadn't read that. And I can remember that HBO had, like, pages, web pages you could go to to see what all the different houses were and which, which characters belonged to which house and why they were feuding with other houses. So you could track the alien politics of this place and it was very helpful to sort of get your firm footing and this little thing they're doing here reminds me of that a little bit almost like a a digital version of that card you were talking about people getting they don't need to do the card anymore the internet is the card maybe Um, there was an app for this movie that we didn't uh we didn't have (laughs) yeah that's right very likely it's not like the dialogue wasn't good. I I couldn't tell. I just, I just didn't know. I just didn't feel um, like I connected or identified with pretty much anybody that was in it other than that. I was quote unquote supposed to. Um, And I, but I did think there were tons of really cool things like the, like the rebel warriors, the guerrilla warriors that sort of rise up out of the sand. Mm. You know, one minute you don't think anyone's there and the next minute you're surrounded. I mean, that's a kind of a cool detail. Um, I thought we have that beat in the road warrior actually, but okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not with a bunch of people. I don't know. Yeah. Here it was a bunch of people there. It was not, but it was based on a book. So we have to dismiss the fact that another movie did it. 
because that movie came out right. after the book came out. Right. Anyway. Um, so, things that I did like. Um, I liked Jason Momoa. Yeah, it was alright. Uh, I just is uh did he shave at one point in it not that we saw him do it but i thought he had he was bearded in the beginning and then later yes he had no beard well that was confusing to me well but i like i say i'm an old man well i'll tell you something um you know how much i hate earth isms in science fiction movies and by earth isms i mean mm-hmm. for example in one of the i think it's uh the Rise of Skywalker, maybe, where one of the little peripheral characters on the bridge says, bloody hell. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. In a galaxy a long, long, long time ago? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. And this one, right out of the gate, was dropping all these these earth bombs. There's a reference to a lion. A lion? They didn't develop on any other planet. (laughs) Then they say things like... And if they did, what are the chances they'd be called lion? Right. Well, the fact that they're all speaking English. Well, but but then suddenly there's a round trip and dial it in. And then... Oh, really? And then, in what I thought was was comedy, I would have laughed out loud. I would have forced myself to laugh out loud if I'd seen this in a crowded theater. Really? Bagpipes! Were you not jarred by bagpipes? I was dealing with enough other stuff, I guess. Well, uh, you just, do you mean bagpipes in the soundtrack or did we actually see No, bagpipes? we saw a guy do bagpipes. It was like at the ceremonial wow. greeting of the, 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 it's in the beginning. It's in the beginning. Okay. Uh, you were Jason Momoa was about a compass needle point, a compass needle pointing north. Mm. What's going on here? Well, what they don't tell you, yeah. it turns out that if you, if you, uh, if apparently if you know the book, yeah, or you read any of the behind the scenes about this movie online, uh-huh. then you would know that these characters, the, the, these people yeah. that we're looking at, these are actually descendants of Earthlings. Oh wow. Oh. Well, clearly it bothered no one else but me. Hmm. So I, I I guess I guess he was right and there was no need to include that detail, but rather I should just go along with the fact that Right. Somewhere else in the universe well, they're saying like one zero niner and okay, but never on, had a woman. Let's stop a second. Because okay. I think that is an interesting idea and I wonder I wonder if it will come up in in another in the in the second film and I wonder how it came up in the book is it like right off the bat in the book explained or in the first you know uh, you're asking the wrong book reader of, yeah I'm sorry it. um because then that does allow a little bit for stuff like what you were just describing earthisms however i mean how many millennia is it supposed to be from now well that well the beginning of the film it says the year is 10,000 something 
Now, it doesn't oh, say right. okay. A.D., which would, <laughs> you know, that yes. might that might it's clue so us into the fact that this funny. is sort of somehow relative so to funny Earth. funny you said that, because now I remember when I saw that it said um, 10,000, whatever it was, the number, I thought... In in whose year timeline? Like I I actually wondered when I saw it that what does that mean if I don't know what you're referring to when when was one right <laughs> relative to me to my one when was one yeah, yeah you're right Our if it had one. said if it had said A D it would automatically have made it descendants of Earth but I just I do find that interesting now a little bit. Because, well, that does really start to change it a lot. How so? Because those. Well, Wait, are you talking about the year or the? Are you talking about the, the, the descendants? I'm of talking Earth. about that they yes. are descendants. Well, first of all, to to focus on your first your first point you made, um, which was about Earthisms. It is ridiculous to think that pick one of the ones from this movie. I can't remember. You dial in. Dial, dial in. it in. Yeah. Okay, dial it in. There is almost no relationship in practical terms between the way we speak now in 2021 and how people spoke a thousand years ago. Right. The way grammar is constructed, the way words are used, right. so on and so forth. There is there is there if we if we if we plopped ourselves into a situation with somebody who only spoke olden time, we might be able to piece together what they're talking about. They would have a very hard time piecing together what we're talking about. And now multiply that by ten thousand. Add eight thousand yes. years, and is the is the phrase "dial in" still going to be used? It's very unlikely. We don't even say twenty three skidoo anymore. I mean, there's there's tons and tons of. Uh, earthisms on earth right now in our own language that get dropped and dropped and dropped. Yeah. Also, where were all their cell phones? Oh, uh, that was the other thing. I, you know, I love being the guy who, you know, points at something and says, you know, hey, look at that, a glass coffee pot on a spaceship. Uh, but, right. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, okay, clearly they've advanced past cell phones. USB ports right. and they things like that, but their their right. their advanced flying devices still have a, a, a rotating number disc <laughs> to indicate altitude or fuel or whatever the fuck it was when right, when he's right, flying right. that they ship on, analog, in the desert. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, they had really? analog readouts for yeah. their for their yeah. flight for their flight. yeah yeah <laughs> flight controls. That's funny. Okay, so that puts to bed Earthisms because in theory it's now believable but you're right but the whole but story not becomes much more interesting what? believable but not believable yes right i mean it is within the realm of believability however unbelievable it might be um theoretical believability <laughs> how about that <laughs> uh but to me it becomes a more interesting story now because or it has the ability to be textured and layered but then they didn't do it in that Okay, the Fremen, the free, almost, almost free the word free men. Yeah. Yes, almost free men. That must have been real sly in 1965. That's not an indigenous population. Those are people who were taken there and put there 
to essentially be workers or slaves. They didn't get there by accident. They don't have any proprietary right to the to the um, spice resources on that planet. Right. And so they're sort of pious. Hey, we're rising up because we're mistreated. Gets a little bit like I think you have the opportunity to tell stories of of uh, corporate greed and and. Uh, the way societies are structured with the powerful and the rich on the top who keep the who keep the um, the poor and working and downtrodden under the heel of their boot, you have the opportunity to tell a story that's much more sort of relatable. Like Les Mis, you know, you can go, oh, I see, these are people who are being put upon. You you can build that sort of thing. They just had no interest in that. As far as I can tell. Again, maybe there was an app. <laughs> no, no, no. But you shouldn't need all that extra stuff in order to understand their movie. So I, I don't know if there's a point going on too much more with this. I did want to say that in this day and age, it's really hard to know when you're looking at something amazing on screen, how much of it is practical and how much of it is CG and layered like this. It's so seamless now yeah. that if, you, if you're not looking at a crowd of people and you can often tell when you're looking at crowds of people and facial expressions things like that animals but if you're looking at a landscape or a, oh yeah or 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 literally dunes i don't know but i definitely got the feeling that i was seeing another world um that that between the combination of using uh cgi effects and probably i think probably a lot of practical locations that were just virgin to my eyes in much the way that Peter Jackson, I mean, when you were watching those Lord of the Ring movies, you went, that is Middle Earth. That is not in this world. Yeah. That is some other place. And I don't think he was doing a ton of CG with those shots. Probably some, certainly. New Zealand. But you were sealing New Zealand and you had never really seen New right. Zealand like right. that before. So there have to be sandy corners and and. Uh, ro rocky outcroppings all over the world that are stunning that we haven't seen. Like even that scene where they were walking, they're walking towards the camera in the beginning, the father and the son, and he's explaining to him the importance of X, Y, and Z and history and everything else. And they're basically in a graveyard. Yeah. And I don't know if those are, if that was all set stuff that was put there, or if that was a, if, like Easter Island, if that's just a place that exists and they said, let's shoot it there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, so I just thought some of that was, was absolutely spectacular. And I have a great deal of respect for the work that went in there. And I will take the bullet when part two comes out and see if it taken as a whole, it has more meaning for me than this did. But I am my, you know, my final take on it and I'm ready to final take yeah. is, I don't even think I can... If I can say any more. It seems like uh, uh, squandered resources in a lot of yep, ways. A very, very underwhelming epic. Huh. I, I am <laughs> further mystified by its its legion of fans. Right, right. Um, so we're going to just uh, take a little pause here. We have two more things we want to do, like actual things we want to do we want to we want to do a little trailer trash talk i have some things i'd like to get into and um and we want to do our listener contest but uh before we do that let's just take care of some housekeeping and invite you all to join the conversation find us on facebook 
follow us on Twitter and Instagram or write us at hwoodrx at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you have to think about things we've said, things we haven't said. Do you hate us? Do you love us? Do you hate movies? Do you love movies? Anything. Just we want to hear your voice. So come on in and join us. Follow you can all the social media particulars and links and stuff will be in the notes for this show. And as always, we are proud members of the Forwardly Network. Get over there and check out some of our sister shows. If you like this one, I think you're going to like some of what you find over there, too. Um, but now, without further ado, let's get into some trailer trash talk. Well, having seen this on the small screen, I right. was not... Uh, I was not made aware of any trailers, so why don't you mm -hmm. tell us your IMAX? Tell us about your IMAX trailers. Well, <laughs> I actually had had been to a couple different things over the weekend, so I've seen a few trailers here and there, and some of them have repeats, and some of them were for, like stuff in February. Let me ask you before I go too much further: Wasn't February always like a dumping ground? Didn't it used to be kind of a place where they put out stuff that um, definitely January was. The um, okay. February probably just because it's winter time and you know mm -hmm. places with a lot of snow people aren't digging out just Don't to go to your much. stupid movie I can't remember what they were off the top of my head I might be able to look it up but um, there were a couple of trailers for things that were going to be coming out in uh, February that seemed like that should be kind of a, almost like why isn't that a summer movie or why isn't that why is that being kind of interesting dropped into february so it would be more interesting if i can remember what the fuck they were but um but what i will tell you about is that i saw trailers for i mean i feel a little dirty saying this and i don't think you you join me on this but i've now seen enough bits and pieces of the gosh darn <sighs> ghostbusters afterlife trailer oh no that i'm at this point going i'm kind of interested in what this turns out to be why how could you possibly be interested <laughs> well because it's got it's got some original players in it it doesn't divorce itself from the pre-existing material the way subsequent films sort of have so these these are characters that live in the same world as the original ghostbuster characters and so i find that more interesting than just starting over completely all right i suppose um, so that's one thing. Well, this is what the whole point of trailer trash yes, talk is. is, is, to, is. Uh, no, it is. It is. It's to, to see things and go, well, wait a minute, maybe. And the other one is going to be kind of, uh, in a similar vein. I think you're going to be a little, uh, a little bit like, what are you talking about? But I have now twice seen the trailer for the Batman. Oh, I have not seen it at all. Uh, which, uh, stars, I believe Robert Pattinson in the titular role hmm. and I have to say that I mean listen it looked good <laughs> the he 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 appears to be believable as a man you mean as an adult man it's funny that that Robert Pattinson should come should come up because he he in many ways reminds me of Timothy Chalamet in that kind of a Pattinson you know, does. man child, you know, I was going to say, thing. but he has, 
his chin is perfect have, under the mask. You you never see a second of him, I don't believe, as Bruce Wayne, <laughs> which makes me worry that the Bruce Wayne part of him <laughs> isn't up to snuff. But uh, the action looks phenomenal. Um, and he and very convincing. And, you know, so I got kind of like, oh, God, I didn't want to have to go see another one of these superhero movies, but I might have to see this one. Um, but now I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Um, just that to me, what little I've seen of Robert Pattinson, and he reminds me of Timothy Chalamet and that he's just completely blank. There's just like nothing yeah. going on. He's a void. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cipher. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And that's kind of what I was getting at there. Um, but here's the most here's the most important thing I need to talk about during this trailer trash. And you can tell me if I've if I've crossed the line and gone too far with the following. Um, I see my movies at a, a national cinema chain. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, they are running an ad before every movie. Yeah. That is basically an ad for their own chain. And it features Nicole Kidman walking through an empty and, and beautifully appointed yes. uh, auditorium yes. and talking about how the importance of movies and how everything. And it's, it seems like it's not just an ad for, um, hey, come out and see movies at this place. It's come out and see movies at all. Like, don't just sit at home and watch things stream. Come to a movie theater and experience it where it was meant to be experienced. It's, you know, sort of an anti-COVID, anti-quarantine, anti-lockdown message. Very, very subtly done. <laughs> and I'm going to set aside for the moment that whereas I used to believe that, that Nicole Kidman was a very gifted and interesting and textured actress and have long since come to be tearfully bored of her and sort of almost can't stand the sight of her now. <laughs> May I, may, I interject, may I interject one thing please, about that? Please. Uh, no, 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 go ahead and finish. So, uh, go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm going to set aside all of my, you know, complicated emotions about Nicole Kidman and say, we sat through your ads. We sat through like the, the, the local commercials that you play before the movie starts. Then we sat through the trailers then we sat through your, hey, join our special club and you can get a special thing. And then I'm going to reset. My phone started ringing. May have been making a noise. We sat through your little local commercials for, oh, don't forget to get a, a snow cone at the curly stand or whatever. I'm making that up. And, uh, and, then, and then the actual trailers for the movies themselves. And for this one, there were nine there were just it was just endless it just kept going and going i'm like this movie is two hours and 45 minutes why do i need to see 10 okay so that went on forever then it was like hey join the club do those movies look interesting to you well if they do you can get to ask a, a person how you can get credit for seeing this movie and join the club and be part of the team and i am part of the team already so i'm like yeah fine fine i hope we hope you're enjoying your rewards i was enjoying my rewards and then we've gone through all of that and now i have to sit and see a commercial with Nicole fucking Kidman encouraging me to go to the theater that I'm already in. Why are we seeing this ad 
here. I, sh- I should be seeing it on my TV every minute telling me, hey, get your ass to the movie theater, but you're wasting my time by showing it to me in this theater. Let's get to the goddamn movie I'm not going to like. That's why I don't That's why I don't go to movies. That's why I don't go to the theaters anymore. <laughs> Is that why? That's why, yeah. Well, uh, so I don't know if that's exactly a trailer trash candidate, but it certainly occurred before the movie started, well, so I say it's up, uh, up for it does. It does kind of bring up a couple of things that, that, that would fit into this category. Yeah. Um, so what's your feeling about the upcoming Aaron Sorkin TV film about Lucy and Ricky Lucy and Ricardo? Desi. Yeah, Lucy and Desi yes. as yeah. played by Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. Well, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the air or if it was uh, uh, just a little back and forth. I will say the following. I'm actually kind of intrigued. I'm so terrible. I always get sucked back in. See, I'm I'm intrigued because of train wreck factor. Because I anticipate this being a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna ask you if you were interested in it because uh it would be so terrible. It's called Being the Ricardos. Terrible to be, title. Uh, to be it is. It is terrible. Um and it has the cast is kind of uh, intriguing, and that is Javier Bardem as Desi, which I can kind of live with. He was in this thing. I know he was in this thing for five minutes. He'll be in the second one way more. But um, uh, watch, he's like the Lando Calrissian. He's going to be the Billy D. Williams of this. this Nicole series. Kidman is Lucille Ball. I cannot wrap my head around it. Nope. If we're never going to see them on the set. You know, recreating classic moments. Then maybe you could handle. And I believe, it. We, and I believe we are going to see that. So I don't quite because she does not seem to me to have a funny uh, bone in her body. Really? I was going to say something more, I, but yeah. I think she, I think she's she's capable of, of doing comedy. I I oh just don't God. see her as evidenced. Wait, as evidenced by what? To die for. Oh, that's such. No, hang on a second. The to die for comedy is so tongue-in-cheek and so sly and so bordering on camp. It is not this wild, broad comedy of Lucille Ball. Well, that's what I was about to say. I think she is capable of comedy, but I don't think this is a good match for what she's capable of because the Lucille Ball that we all know was kind of zany and... and Yeah, right. right. it's it's impossible Uh, to picture her doing Unless their whole point is that... We're going to be so deeply behind the scenes that we need an actress who can really carry those scenes dramatically, um, and that it's less important that we believe her as a as a clown. Um, I mean, Deborah Messing was obviously put on this earth to play Lucille Ball, but she's not not right at this point in her career or whatever. Yeah. But J.K. Simmons as William Frowley, fantastic. Yes, that's a good choice. Um, Nina Arianda as Vivian Vance. Nina Arianda is an actress I know from a show called Bosch. And I love her on Bosch. And I'm very intrigued by what she might be. Tony Hale is in it. And he's very funny. He's a terrific actor. Uh, Clark Gregg. There's so many people in it that are so good that I I can overlook some of the the grave uh, misguided elements to this. Do you also feel like I do? Just, Just knowing about it. I have to wonder what drove Sorkin to do this. 
I, 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 I'm very curious what he's contributing to the larger cultural conversation hmm. with this movie. Uh, it's an excellent question, I, and I don't know yet. I mean, part of it might have to be that we get there and see what it is to to better appreciate it. You, know, you can uh, make the argument that, that the trial of the Chicago 7 is relevant to today's times. <laughs> Pretty right. much everything he's done has been you know, relevant to current relevant. events. I, I, I don't mm. see what this is connecting to. Also, his behind the scenes at <coughs> SNL-like TV show crashed and burned within a couple of episodes. That's and true. That's uh, not too far away from I Love Lucy. So, huh? Yeah. This will be yeah. Well, okay. I may be on the train wreck, train wreck uh, ride with you. And 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 not to go on too much longer, uh-huh. but. Uh, Talking about that just also immediately brings to mind for me at least the the other hotly anticipated made for streaming biopic oh. of uh, Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe <gasps> thing. Oh, I don't think I know that. Excuse me. I don't think I know that. Are we in, are we still in trailer trash talk, or are you and I just having a conversation? We're, well, tech, it's theoretically trailer trash talk. <laughs> Upcoming title, Trash Talk? Yeah. No, no, I understand. Uh, fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe. As? Por- starring Ana Diarmas. Wow. Adrian Brody. I don't know, man. I like her, but that's going to be tough to pull off, don't you think? That's, uh, you know what, um... Much like Lucille who's, who's, Ball, except this has the disadvantage of, you know, probably wigs and I don't know. Yes, yes, and also has the problem of, of relevancy. But um, okay, well, I'm going to put that up there. I don't know enough about it yet. At least there are pictures of the other people in costumes and the the, the Ricardos thing. Well, you know, I don't in, see. Oh no. In point of fact, they, there's, there's probably an underlying current there of you know women overcoming personal and professional hurdles well or not overcoming them depending how you look at it there are some pictures of her in makeup like she's not on the set but she's like backstage with the blonde hair she looks you know it's not like she looks exactly like her i don't need her to look exactly like her but if she can if she can well yeah much like nicole kidman has to play the, the clown, but she also has to play the serious woman who was Lucille Ball. Right. And if she can handle those two things and balance them properly, then she's good. And if Ana Darmas can play like in a in an organic and genuine way the who the the Norma Jean, but if she is also capable of putting on the Marilyn Monroe right. in a way that doesn't seem like a caricature any more than it really was a caricature, because the thing is she was putting that on. You know, she was exaggerating those things right. and played a. Right. She was playing a, a character called Marilyn Monroe, essentially. It'll uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Well, uh, that's enough uh, trash talk for now. Whew. I'm going to turn the spotlight on you, Dr. G, and hope that you can give us another nail-biting listener contest. Well... <laughs> Here we go. 
Um, of course, everyone coming into Dune probably has some knowledge of the 1984 David Lynch film, which we referenced several times. Mm-hmm. There is a person who can connect with this one person. This is one of those, uh, you know, quasi-Kevin Bacon games. Okay? Yeah. You have one person who connects the original film of Dune with the following people. Ridley Scott, Eugene Levy, Stephen King and Federico Fellini. Who is that person? And what is the relationship that those names have to that person? Wow. Huh. So just to restate, uh, so that I understand, so that I know I understand the question. There's a person who was associated with the 1986 version of... 1984 version of Dune who has some relation to the other names you listed including Eugene Levy uh, uh, read the list of names again those would be Ridley Scott uh. Eugene Levy uh, who was my third name in there Stephen King Spielberg. Stephen King and Federico Fellini Stephen King and Federico Fellini. That's a great list. I don't know the answer off the top of my head. I have a suspicion. But uh, here's the thing, folks. If you have more than a suspicion, if you have a guess or you just know the answer, uh, you can tweet your entry to hashtag HRXContest. We will gather up the answers there and randomly crown a winner. Good luck to you all. Yes. Excellent. Dr. G, I believe that this examination has come to an end. And I concur. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you for listening, for joining us. It truly wouldn't be the same without you. For now, and until next time, the doctors are out. You should cut this out, because I just cut you off. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Don't worry about it. No, that's sometimes the best part. (sighs) Welcome to another episode of Bruh, It's a Podcast. Every week we convince you why you shouldn't hate millennials. The best TV series of all time is Breaking Bad. Game of Thrones. Anything that's not the two of those. The best (laughs) series of all time is 24. Wake up. My love language is gifts, because I love when women pamper me. You also bro. Love languages are stupid. I don't have language. Speak to my penis. I don't know who Sade is. You should be shot in your face. I still don't know who Sade is. <laughs> the finest female singer of all time has to be Jennifer Lopez. Whoa! Yeah, if you take singer out of it. Check us out Thursday. Find us on Instagram, at Brunta Podcast.